Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoop's Journey. We just wanted to take a second here and say we wish Mr. Kevin Pankos a quick recovery. We recorded this episode a few weeks ago, and between that time, uh, had a, a knee injury, and um, he's rehabbing and recovering, and we know he's going to come back stronger. But first and foremost, basketball is a game, but it's his livelihood, and we wish him uh, a quick recovery. And whenever his body is ready to return, we know he'll be back. Uh, being one of the best Canadians in the world to do it. Nothing but love for KP and health to him and his family. All the best, brother. Well, 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 what a beautiful day to go outside. Sorry, I just recently downloaded TikTok. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen and people of a hoops journey we have reached 100 episodes and we wanted to just before we release this episode talk to you and corbs and check in corbs man march 2020 i believe we we start this thing man it's a long time ago my friend (laughs) that's a lot of weight it's a lot of hairline it's a lot of it's a lot there when you started this, man, did you ever think, I mean, what, what were you thinking? Like, I never even thought about a hundred. I was just like, oh, cool. Let's do this podcast thing. And we were doing mailbags and we thought we were yeah. like Jalen and Jacoby. <laughs> and yeah, then we realized it. Yeah. Yeah. But man, when, you know, chatting with Aaron Phillips and then just recently a few people reaching out and saying like, wow, like a hundred episodes, have you thought about what that actually is? And I'm like, I haven't. And in the past couple of weeks, I have now, and I'm like, holy crap, like that's, that's a hundred conversations. That's thousands of hours of editing. That's like, it's honestly, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Man. Like it's, it's nuts. And um, yeah. So what do you think, man? When we started this thing, did you, did you think about it? I'm going to grab my Parkside beer because I'm, it's celebration time. So. Yes, sir. Let I mean, know. I, if you told me that we would be, I don't know, interviewing NBA coaches, NBA players, pros, mm-hmm. like trying to find pockets of time within your your uh, workday to email European pros from across the country, I would have laughed in your face, to be honest. <laughs> I didn't know. It was a fun pandemic. You mean uh, behind project. my back? You would have laughed behind my back. <laughs> I'll probably laugh behind your back. Nod, nod in front of your face, laugh behind your back kind of thing. <laughs> But it's crazy. It's it's now. I want to throw a question to you. Like it's mm-hmm. it's changed. It definitely changed the way changed my relationship with basketball. So has it changed like your relationship with basketball, the, the game itself, like your journey as well? Has it like changed perspective in you? Um, I think it. <laughs> you're gonna go make me go down the dark road, hey? Yes, sir. I think it's made me. I think it's maybe just like if I could. I mean, like I have no regrets. I don't, but. If I was, if there was, if I woke up one day out of my bed and was 13 again, I would have, I would have tried harder, man. I would have gone for more. I would have stepped out of my comfort zone more. It's made me realize that these dudes were, and these ladies are, they're like, for me, in terms of like skill wise and stuff, like we're there, but they, they took adventures that I didn't because maybe I was a little timid to do it. So from that, I would say that, but also, but from a coaching standpoint, it's made me more, it's maybe a better teacher. It's maybe a better coach. I agree. It's maybe, I agree. it's maybe a better, uh, husband. It's maybe a better dad, like just hearing people's stories and it's maybe a better listener. It's done a lot of things. 
Oh, my wife right here. I don't think it's made you a better husband. Thanks a lot, Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) And she's out. I hope you can hear that when you, when you edit this, I hope you can hear her whisper that, but um, I think it, yeah. So definitely um, made me understand that. uh, How do I frame it, man? It's hard to frame. Like you think about the people that we've had the chance to talk to. I'm like, yeah, crazy, and not just like the pros, right? Just like, no. stories like Lexi and yet like stories like JY and stories like so many really good people have come onto the pod, shared mm-hmm. something of value to our audience. Mm-hmm. And I like there's so many episodes between us. We've, we've had a hundred episodes now. Like it's hard to like pick and choose everything from every single episode, but like it's just some of them are just morphed into like our own belief systems now. And I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a really such a beautiful thing. And for me, like, like you've had like a bit more of a prodigious uh, basketball career. And like, I had like, I had a fun high school time. I'll just leave it there. Um, Just, but to hear all these stories and to hear all the, these different challenges and like different insights about, kind of behind the scenes about the NCAA or the, or the pros. Um, it's definitely made me more thankful for that journey or more thankful for the people along the way. Right. Just mm-hmm. little things, uh, whether it is your parents, like a coach who was this there for a little blip in time, but that for that blip in time is just so meaningful. Right. I'm not sure. Yeah. That's just kind of how I've kind of taken this entire journey per se. It makes sense, man. And then probably, I don't know if you feel it. I feel it too. Like when I'm coaching now, I'm even more present in the moment in terms of like these moments matter to these kids. Um, What I say and do and how I, how I speak to them impacts them and they're going to hold this. And these are moments that will be forever. Right. And I hear you for real. Yeah. It's cool, man. And it's like, when you just think about like, oh, we'll start this little podcast and like, well, we'll just interview the homies and hang out or whatever. And then you've got like, you got Nathaniel Mitchell or, you know, whoever, like the third assistant for the Raptors, like just, and you're like, what are we even doing in the same space? And then this dude is just like a real person and he's worked just as hard as us, if not harder to get where he is. Like, I think there's this perception that it's a cakewalk and these people are different. It's like, no, man, they're me and you, like they're me and you. And grinding just as hard. Yeah. They're just doing their thing. They're doing their version of their thing, which is our version of our thing. Like that makes sense. So I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, man. It's, it's an eye-opening experience. And I also think like, give, give, give ourselves some credit, man. I think that's why people connect to it because, because mm. we're real. It's me and you and I'm just a dude with a gray goatee and you're just a guy who's ready to get his degree and move on with life and, and editing the pod when he has free time. And we're not like getting paid thousands of dollars. And like, I think, I think people connect with that. And I think people connect with our guests because we break it down in a way where those stories come out. We're not, it's not surface level. Like we're, we're diving in and and we get to hear the real stuff. Right. And um, it's so cool when like, I get in my car and then my Bluetooth kicks in in the morning. And then it's like, you know, I've met a new person and because I'm texting with them and it says like, uh, do you want to update your address book? And I'm like, Oh, added another person to my contact list. And these people reply back and they're like, thank you. That was dope. Or appreciated that. That was really fun. You know? And like, can't wait to hear the episode and appreciate you guys. And I know it's kind of fulfilling, man. It's, it's a, it's another way to fill the bucket, you know? And yeah. um, 
it's it's crazy and i know people especially on the west coast starve for more kind of bc people but i i think it's important that we've kind of expanded because it's just yeah there's so many out there man there's so many people and and basketball's life really like um my buddy nick day said a, a couple months ago when i was chatting with yeah he goes uh we all just end up in men's or women's league anyways and it's true doesn't even matter what you did where you went and like whether you made the league like kevin pangos who's about to be our our upcoming guest um it doesn't matter you know and then he goes and plays and basically the he's playing in the best league in europe right now and and no one can take that away but in the end when kevin pangos walks away from the game who's kevin pangos who's rob sacre who's ace koenig like who are these people they're they're good humans and they want to be valued and they want to make an impact and you look at like jermaine anderson like doing 50 for free like i i can't i'm blown away like just getting to know him and seeing him like he's doing classroom sessions i'm rambling like crazy but i'm just trying to like think about everything and the guy's teaching the youth in toronto about how to manage money and why it's important to be business savvy and you know like it's like man these these are good people man it's it's crazy and like we had jay triana within 20 episodes like come on you know that's like like, that's that's still crazy it's still wild mm -hmm. i'll never forget how hot it was upstairs here in this office and he was struggling to get on his ipad or whatever and we were like oh "Oh, he doesn't have google chrome oh my goodness and because and dude like it's sometimes it's so hard to like nail down a time with these people so it's like you know that you have this hour or hour and a half right and you're like yeah. all right and then it's just not working and i'm sweating like i'm Patty sitting here in my like... freaking shorts like sorry for the visual for people but create it in your own mind how you want but like and then all of a sudden he's just like boom there and we're like okay let's just run with it man like let's just go you know so what do you see like um i don't even want to talk about like who's your favorite guest because I agree with you, like what you're saying. It's just too hard to nail down. There's just so many fun things from every episode. Like when have we when have we ever got off an episode and messaged each other on WhatsApp and been like, Oh, that's all average. Never that sucked. Yeah, we're like that was a dope. This, this is on the record for you folks. It's, we have never ever yeah. done that. Never. No, no, always like hundred percent true. Like, cause for whatever reason, there's something where like you listen or I listen and you're like, that was dope when this happened, or this was cool and that happened. And we're like, man right um and then like people like sam Payne and shane and jeff at ato like they want to jump on board and like you know help support a podcast it's like cool man it's just uh it's fun and you realize that i don't know you spend a lot of time competing with people in your life and you realize when you stop competing and just like applaud each other and compete in your own space that you need good things happen so it's been a fun adventure, man. And I mean, you've got more funny stories than I do probably sitting there at night, freaking <laughs> the Wi-Fi drops during an episode that you're not sitting in on or, you know, like just Mitch, what, oh. what did this person say here or help me with a tag or, you know, I mean, like, yeah, yeah talk yeah. about you and, and like, you. I mean, I know people have reached out to me and talked to me about my growth as a, as someone interviewing. And it's something that I take serious, but talk about your growth as like, as a editor, man, it's probably been, I mean, we've gone through how many apps or whatever, but yeah. just in terms of like the process of figuring that out, I mean, those first 10 episodes to like now, what's yeah. that like? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's such a being kind of thrown into the fire like that is probably, 
it's probably one of the scariest things but uh, i don't know as i'm realizing now it's probably was the best way for me to like dive in and learn right we, we definitely made i made tons of editing mistakes i would say the first 50 episodes even if people think they were super polished i can i can look back at an episode and be like oh, i could have done that better could have done that better and like just picking up skills along the way and just trying things and things not working things work um and the kind of that kind of problem pro, uh troubleshooting kind of mindset has you know made me a much better editor made it faster definitely the thing that i'm really thankful for this used to like folks this like an hour episode used to take me i would say from the first first 30 or first 20 episodes an hour of recording would take me about eight hours of editing which is a long so Jeff, time so jeff Gurley's episode took you 24 hours <laughs> pretty close just uh, might as well have might as well yeah. have right mm-hmm. but uh now after like 100 episodes and and through this opportunity i ended up getting in uh, being an editor for another podcast um mm-hmm. as well like it's shout out it's community like, room shout out community room podcast featuring uh uh bal dylan and gail beevil shout out to them bal dylan yeah. uh episode two right um and, and friend of the pod but uh mm-hmm. this entire adventure has really just got me to learn about really cool people mm-hmm. and so and now i just i'm gonna cut you off 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 so as someone who's been open about his own personal mental health struggles someone who is a coach and wants to become a teacher and trying to figure out managing juggling life and stress and things like that and getting through school and mm-hmm. going you know, and Corbs, you've been really hard on yourself in life. And we've had many conversations like, let's just, I just want to be real. I don't want you to, I don't want you to like, if you don't like this part, take it out. But like understanding that like, has, has listening to these people talk, like made you feel better about yourself because understanding that like, we all have our own journey and our own path. I feel like you've put a lot of pressure on yourself in life to like, I'm not there yet. And it's like, dude, you've got your whole entire life to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no. And, and you can say no, you can say no, but I just like, have, has, has anything anybody said or that listening to people talk about their lives and their journey, at least like made you realize that you're okay. And like where you are, is it like, it's okay to be where you're at? 100%. I would say, um, again, I don't have a specific episode in mind, but listening through and editing through, I'm like, Oh, huh. I guess, you know, I'll I'll have that kind of moment of reflection, like oh, like it's, you know, especially when I'm having a bad day, we're like, man, like classes was tough today, or like you know, I big L playing against whatever team, right? And then you listen to a coach like say like, you know, talking about his ups and downs as, as his coach, and just like someone like Scott Morrison, you know, having to take an anger management class to continue on. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like I, I guess you know, I. I can sometimes get into and like we all can get at that mindset right and we talked about that mm-hmm. earlier about these people with success like they must have maybe it must have been given to them right maybe they just yeah. like oh they were successful right away right again like we always hear people's highlights and we never hear the lowlights right and i think from this pod you get you get to to draw that out and i think with your interviewing skills you you do a really good job of just prodding and you draw that that vulnerability out of them and and it does make me like feel 
again, it's not like, uh, oh, they screwed up too. I, you know, like I, I'm good. But it's like, oh, okay, like they're, they're going, they're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking right now, and mm-hmm. it makes easy to move, you know, easier to move forward, easier to be like, okay, like I got to buckle down. Like I just got to get through this, and I'll be all right. So, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it definitely just has helped me a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm hoping that it's helped other people as well. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you being vulnerable and throwing it out there, even though I made you. But I think it's important, yeah, that, you know, that people want more Corbs and and wanted to hear it. And that was one of the fun things. But it's true, man. I just think like, it's tell my class all the time. Like I said, I've said it a thousand times. Like you said, freaking, what is it? Like take a drink every time. Take a shot. Say you have a leadership class, take a shot. Uh, <laughs> It's about relationships, man. Brene Brown literally just came out this week with a podcast that was talked about leaderships, about relationships. And I'm like, and and we're connecting with people that we've never known. And within an hour, an hour and a half, trying to just have them share their story and feel comfortable with us. And that, and it's cool, man. So we've rambled enough here. Any last thoughts? Anything you want to say? Um, any shout outs? Um, or should I go first so you can think about it? Sheesh. You should probably go first, but I mean, shout all right. out to all our all our listeners. You should Whether go you first, listen- and then he jumps in. He, you should go first, and then he keeps <laughs> make it. I'm already married, man. Make your decision here and stick with it. Okay, don't make me try to play. Don't make me guess. Don't make me get into your brain. Who's going first? You go first. You go first. You go first. You first. Yeah. Okay. Shout out. No, just kidding. <laughs> to every single 100 of our guests. Um, Thank you. Uh, To you, it may not have been a big thing, but to us it was. And to the people that we're going to interview going forward, thank you. Um, Your stories matter. People in our episodes have passed on. We have people that are no longer with us, and their voice will always be there. If someone is missing them, they can go and search it up on whatever platform they use and hear that person's voice. That's kind of cool to me. Um, So to every single person that's taken time, to, as we say, chop it up, you really have no idea what it means. Um, To you, Corbs, man, thank you, dude. You were the one that pushed me to do it. I appreciate you. I'm forever grateful for you. You may not take it the way, but like if it wasn't for you, I sat there for a year. I I can tell you, me and Ed LaFergie, he told me, he's like, you should start a podcast. He told me like six, seven, eight months before we even started. And I was like, whatever, man. And then you were like, yo. And I'm like, okay. So I got to thank you. I got to thank you for the time and the effort and energy you've put in. You always say what you do is what you like, what I do is what I like to, yes, you know, if we flip, if we flip roles, it'd be hell for both of us. Right. Oh. So there's, I would be sitting there eight hours, sheesh, 16 hours per episode. And you try to talk to someone for an hour. We, our podcast would be folded and the neck would oh, be scratching. So, so fast. Yeah, so fast, so um, fast. It's a fall to park, to Parkside, to ATO, to Good Lad. You just to have you guys wanting to be a part of us. Appreciate you to my wife for allowing me the time and space and energy to understand that like it's it's something that's a passion for me and it fills my bit. I appreciate her for that. So I know in some, but uh, yeah, the floor is yours, sir. Thank you too. Our, all our listeners, um, whether you listen to all 100, whether you listen oh, to making me look bad right off the bat, <laughs> eh? <laughs> hey, yeah, um, the listeners, thank you so much for yeah, listening, yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. listening to my dumbass.
God. Well done. This is why you are who you are. Sorry. I'll stop. Go. No, shout out to all our listeners, whether you listen to 100 episodes, one episode, or anything in between. And whether you've sent a comment, whether you've uh, just been listening just on the morning walk or in the van or doing dishes or whatever, uh, we really appreciate it. Like, what, whether we get 45 listens or we don't, we definitely don't get that anymore. But, uh, oh, much, yes, yes, people, much higher. It's it's still cool to see the amount of people who have listened, the amount of downloads. Still sick. It's still crazy. Isn't it weird? It's, isn't it weird when you bump into someone? They're like, "Oh, I'm a couple episodes behind," and you're like, "God damn, you listen to every episode!" Like, or people are like, "Oh, I I listened to like 30," and I and I'm like, "It's weird, right?" Yeah. Like, it's why are you cool, wasting man. your time? No, just kidding. here. Wah, wah, wah. Wah. Put it in there I got you, you yeah. in there. Um, oh man. And like I'll say thank you to my parents. They're like, what is he doing up there? And I was like, I'm recording a podcast and editing stuff. You're like, okay. And people you know, are making but, fun of my room, mom. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the I'll shout out uh, hopefully she'll shout out to my mom. Like she has, she knows nothing about she knew nothing about BC Hoops. She knows nothing about these these stories or these people. She like listened to the first one, like, oh, it's Mr. Zitterman. Right, mm-hmm. like, and Mr. Zivin was my just for those. Mr. Zivin was my teachers and my coach, so that's why she listened. But then she's been listening to I think almost every single episode at this point. How cool about the story about Kev and your dad? Oh yes, yeah, that's sweet. And my, Kevin Hansen, your dad works at UBC. Kevin Hansen has talked to your dad numerous times, and yeah. then for some reason they start talking, and he go, "Your dad says, I heard you on the podcast," and Kev goes, "What?" He's like, oh yeah, Corbin's my son. Like, that's the cool stuff, man. The connections, that's like, sick. that was a dope story. I was like, wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, and they've, I think they've interacted for almost like ten years before that without knowing that, like, that was that was his son. So, and shout out to, shout out to our our group chat. They were one of the one of the day ones. We were telling them early. It's really cool. And they were, and those were the boys that you know I fell in love with the game with. Right that. 2011 2012 year it was a will always be a special year i think we have a group chat because of it so i think it's it speaks for itself i'm sure i'm i'm missing people for sure but you know if you if you bought a t-shirt in those early days um <laughs> if you you know you threw some some money our way just to be just to say thank you like i never you know when we when we created this concept i i, I just didn't think that would happen man sponsors more than a hundred listens. Like that was just something that like we were just hopeful for, right? Like, oh, it'd be cool. Like, you know, if we get like 200 listens in an episode, that's that's pretty sick. And then now, like we're averaging more than that. Um <laughs> much it's, more. It's 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 still like it's still surreal. It's still surreal. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. Appreciate you. And it's correct, man. Without the people showing some interest, without the people telling their friends to tell a friend it wouldn't this thing wouldn't be you can edit that one out corbs there's a swear for you okay hoop stream man 100 episodes two almost we're about to be in a few months three years in we thank you for riding with us we've got so much more in store we're not doing season one two or whatever we're just gonna rack like it's gonna be episode 3402 i swear on my life well if we do the math i might not be still with you but from the bottom of our hearts, 
we appreciate you. It's a, we say many times it's as just a fun adventure for us as it is for you. We appreciate your feedback. There's not enough words to continue to say thank you. Um, let's keep building. Let's keep growing the game. Let's share stories so we get to know each other. And so when we bump into each other, we can just chill and have a beer because we already know each other through a podcast. And again, to all our 100 guests, thank you. Well, 99, because one of them is an idiot who's here in this conversation right now. So uh, we do truly appreciate you. And we will see you on the next 100. I'm going to take a second to thank our newest sponsor, ATO Basketball Merchants, located directly at the Langley Event Center at 7888-200 Street. In building number 120, our boy Jeff Winslade has a wide variety of the latest gear, jerseys, sweatpants, socks, hats, fitted, doesn't matter, a huge shoe rack, anything you need if you're a hooper and a hoop head. Please stop by the store, show some support, and get yourself some fly gear. If anyone wants, I'm a double XL, and I'll take that Rex Chapman Hornets in white. Thanks to ATO B-Ball. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. Uh, If you have been with us since day one, thank you. Uh, It's hard to put into words and think about what 100 episodes of a podcast is. And we are humbled and honored to have our guests with us today because when you think about the lineage of Canada basketball and its history, easily, hands down, uh, we're going to chop it up with one of the best players to come out of our country ever. And it's going to be a privilege because I myself... I'm a Gonzaga Bulldog graduate, my master's degree from there. So representing. Um, and if you know the name or don't know the name, give it a Google because the family history here um, is deep. It's long. Um, and this is a guy who's grinded and worked and has found him to be quite successful. And I'm just going to fill in for Mitch here as his audio gets a little weird, but uh, he doesn't know it yet. But uh, we watched him absolutely light up our U15 Team BC basketball team in Kamloops years ago. I believe Dwayne Notice was on that team. So we have none other than Kevin Pangos with us today. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No worries. And uh, coming live from Lithuania right now on the road. So, you know, Corbs will do his best to uh, to edit this and chop it up as best we can. So if there's some lags, everyone be patient. But um, how are things for you these days, man? Um you know, being on the road, you got a young family, COVID's kind of cleared up and, and you're hooping full time. How's life treating you and your family these days? It's treating me great. Honestly, I'm, uh, I'm in a good place right now. I'm very happy. Um, I've got two kids, a uh, one-year-old son, a three-year-old daughter. Um, my wife's out here with me and the kids. Yeah. So it's a busy time as you can imagine. Um, I'm in a good spot. I'm, I'm in Milan, Italy. So happy with the situation. The club's been unbelievable so far. Um, we've had some ups and downs in the season, but um, overall, I think, you know, we have a great team and, and we'll overcome this and see what, where it can take us this season. But no, I'm very happy with how things have gone. It's crazy to think I'm year eight, nine, I don't know, something like that in my career. It just flies by. So it's going fast. Man, got to, uh, I think that's good reflection to just enjoy the moments while they're there, right? I think probably when you have a, a basketball career and, and it, as it extends further and further with each year, it's hard to sort of mesh all the years and figure out what happened when, but to also sort of, you find yourself 
I mean, obviously staying hungry, but also taking a, a minute to sort of reflect and yeah, sorry, cut out a little bit there, but yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I definitely try to take the time to reflect, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm a person that I really think back a lot and see how um, I can continue to get better from my experiences before. And I think throughout my career, I've had a lot of ups and downs, just like everyone. Um, but I look back on, on those tough moments, especially. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for them because I think they um, helped turn me into the person I am today, the basketball player I am today. And so um, I think those were some of the best moments in my life when I really look back, even though in the moment they, they were terrible. So no, I, I'm grateful for just playing pro for this long, you know, I'm playing basketball for a living and as, as difficult as there are times in, in, in certain moments, I think I'm, I know I'm very blessed to be able to do what I'm doing. Amazing, man. Love it. And let's go back. You talked about those moments, but also let's go right back to young KP running around. You know, when you, when you do some research about you and your family from an uncle in the NHL to a dad who coached at what we call U sport level now, you know, a mom who played at that level, a sister. I mean, it seems like basketball was just in the blood from the get-go and, and talk about what it was like growing up in sort of that that family, um, you know, the, the stories are out there. Everyone knows about the work that you've put in, you know, with your dad and, and to get there, but how was it as a young guy? And when did you realize like, all right, I'm around this, but I actually am, am enjoying, you know, what I'm seeing each day, each day at the gym. Yeah. You know, I don't know exactly the moment, but, um, you know, I was fortunate enough and this is what I, I'm planning with my kids as well as that. I played a lot of sports growing up. You know, I played, um, soccer, hockey, hockey, of course, being Canadian, uh, uh, volleyball, even for a, a stint. You laugh about the hockey. We, I, I went up to my first class this morning. We took our kids skating. I can't skate, man. I'm like the only, am I one of the only Canadians out there? <laughs> They're like, Mr. Mitchell, how come you're not in the ice? I was like, yeah, I got bad knees. Like just completely blind. I don't That's know how to skate. crazy. <laughs> You're the only Canadian that I know that, that can't skate, but honestly, that's, that's great though, too. It's, it's good. Things are changing. You're a basketball fan. It's, it's great to see. Yeah. You um, and so I played a lot of sports growing up. I played a lot of sports and I was, I was very blessed um, to be able to do that. And I think there was a certain point um, where I actually consciously, I remember thinking, I, I want to create a lifestyle with this. I want to play professional. And I didn't really know which sport it was going to be for the longest time. And I actually remember thinking as a kid, like you can't really make a lot of money playing soccer. Like, I don't know if you can even um, survive playing soccer on a, on a salary because I didn't know it international and how big soccer was worldwide. I was a kid. And so then I think it, eventually I grew old enough and things just kind of played themselves out where I was around basketball all the time. Uh, like you said, my dad was a coach, my mom played and my dad played as well. And we're going to camps and we're going to this and that. And I'm having, all of these experiences and I'm starting to see, you know, university level um, talent and see or hear sprays of guys playing professionally, seeing the Raptors. And I think um, those are the type of things that uh, really stuck in my mind is, okay, basketball is the one that I want to try and take professionally. And it was also the sport that I could play for hours and hours and hours. And I never got tired of, you know, I, I could spend all day. My mom actually had to put a limit 
on how long I could stay outside and shoot because the neighbors had to go to bed, you know, and wake up in the morning to go to work. And so I couldn't be bouncing the ball and making noise. So that that's how I kind of knew that basketball was going to be it was when I, I just couldn't put the ball down and, and stop playing. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the upbringing. I was around it a lot. I had a very supportive family and just loved playing sports in general. Just loved competing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer too in the, in the multi-sport thing. I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think we're in a phase and I think Ontario is probably, you probably felt a little bit of that AAU sense when you're in high school. I don't know if it was that, I mean, it's always not like what it is now, but um, BC is way behind, but there's that too. And sort of at what point do we have kids you know, and I, and I'm, I believe I, I hear you, man. I think what you learned on the soccer pitch and what you learned on hockey and what you learn in baseball or whatever it is, they all translate into your point guard skills, right? You're, you're seeing different games at different paces and you're trying to make different reads. You know, if the ball goes here, where do I run? What do I do? Right. So um, I feel you on that, man. Um, did you get a feel of that though, when you're in high school that, that they, you seen and especially in, in, in the come around? Again, just lost at the end there, but I think I, I know uh, just the AAU scene would come around, right? Yeah. Said? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I I played maybe two AAU tournaments in my uh, in my life. So I actually never really played much AAU. It became really popular as well as this whole prep school thing after I graduated from high school and probably even after I graduated from college. I think that's when it really started turning around. But I, uh, I got a lot of my... I guess looks um, you can call it from, from national team, from playing for the youth team, Canada teams. And, and then also word of mouth, you know, just the basketball world, it's big, but it's also so small and, and people know people. And so um, just different players or coaches and talking to other coaches and I kind of got my name out there and I had a, I had a good selection of colleges. I wouldn't say I had, you know, everyone knocking on my door, but I had a lot of interest. I think, more just like slight interest. I think I was like second or third option. And I think with maybe a handful of schools, like I could tell they really wanted me. And so that's all you really need is if you have a good selection. And so, but it, it wasn't from, from AU necessarily. It was from just playing national team and, and doing those types of things. And then just uh, word of mouth. And what was it like at such a young age to represent the flag? I mean, it's gotta be an overwhelming feeling, but to be that young also, were you able to grasp it all and you're traveling the world and you're like, I'm actually representing this whole nation for, for basketball. It's pretty wild. No, it, it was definitely wild that being 15 and wearing Canada across your chest, you're thinking like I'm representing a whole country, you know, which in, at that point in your life, your, your world is small, you know, it's, it's not very big. You don't think outside your little community and maybe into Toronto is as far as I was thinking. And so um, when you start playing against teams from Argentina and teams from, Spain and teams, you start realizing like this world is huge and I'm playing against all these different talented guys from all over the place. So I think it was great though, for, for just overall development of stuff to see different styles of play and um, obviously mature at a young age, just because you are getting those experiences. And so, you know, I was very fortunate with that, but I also remember it being, being a lot at a young age, just something that you, it's hard to even grasp that, that concept that you're playing for your country, but it was cool. Yeah. And to take it even further back, sorry, not going backwards, but one thing I want to touch on was just with your dad being a coach, being around those university age guys, I'm sure you're right in the mix, annoying them to play one-on-one or rebounding or whatever, always in the gym. Right. So you're, you're kind of getting that 
team perspective from a super young age already, which probably when you're that young with the national team, you're kind of ready for it. You know, you've seen it. Um, you've seen that level. You've seen what high level teams are working at. And no matter how young you are, you're soaking it in just, you know, even subconsciously, right? Did you, did you sense that at all? Have you thought about that since those times? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't think I really necessarily knew what was going on at the time. I think, sure. I think it was, I was very fortunate that I saw these university players and, you know, just how they prepare for things. And again, like I'm, I'm going and watching these Canadian university games who are, are very talented players, but I'm idolizing them. Like they're an NBA yeah. all-star, you know, I'm thinking like these guys are unbelievable basketball players and as they are, but there's so much out there in the world. And so I really looked up to those, those guys, especially on the, the York university team and, and really watched how they played. And it, it just looks so smooth and athletic and um, talented. And I was fortunate enough actually to two things. One, I played on the, the national team, the senior men's team when I was 15. And uh, I was around, it was one of the most, um, yeah, it, it was one of the most nerve wracking experiences I, I've had. I remember uh, calling my parents and just like questioning if I really wanted to do it. You know, you're going and playing pro men as a 15 year old and it's just way over your head. And so, but I decided to continue to do it and and overcame all the nervousness and the fear and everything. And it was probably, again, up to that point, one of the best things I'd done in my life, you know, just uh, for development purposes. Um, but I was able to see how these guys prepare, you know, they how they prepare their bodies, how they get their workouts in, how they're um, eating right, how they're honestly one of the biggest things was the things they were reading or watching were all developmental things, you know, things like that as a 15 year old, I hadn't even you know, thought about, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, friends and whatever that is at that point, who knows what I'm thinking of, but, but they're thinking of all these like next level. So it just opened my eyes to a whole different world, things that I could grasp and, and try to accomplish. And then another thing was I was fortunate enough to play for a, this is a little later in high school, but for a team, uh, Kyle Julius and his dad put together a, a team of, of young guys and also ex pros and kind of combined it. And we scrimmaged all the Canadian universities. And so now as a grade 11 kid or 12 kid, I'm not sure, but I'm playing significant minutes against, you know, university players that are five, six years older than me. And so um, getting that experience in game reps was, was huge for me because now I can actually translate that stuff I'm watching and learning and everything to actually get in minutes where I'm able to, to battle and compete ahead of my age group, you know, a year or two before I get there. So uh, all these types of things and experiences, when you really sit back and think, just help help mold me into continuing to build myself as a person, a basketball player, which, and honestly, I could cycle back and there's probably more and more and more. There's so many different things. It's hard to pinpoint one, but there's so many of these that uh, I'm just grateful for that I got the experience and, and honestly more grateful that I didn't turn them down because it's very easy to just um, have fear or the uneasiness of being something that's uncomfortable um kind of scare me away and, and I definitely felt it but I decided to you know do them and, and do my best and it was it was a great decision yeah awesome like to be that age though and I and I, I agree trying to convince our high school kids always just even if it's just, just the local rec center find some older dudes man play against bigger faster stronger even if you're more skilled and they're just sort of a open gym guy you'll, you'll experience it and feel it and it's going to help you improve. Right. And, um, I just, I, I think right now our kids are just pretty comfortable speaking of just from my experience, just playing against their level, as opposed to 
upping it. And that's how, and they'll learn, but that's how you learn in life too, right? It's not just hoops. Like you got to try things and step out of that comfort zone to, to fail. Was there someone back in that time that you really kept an eye on on that team where you're like watching their process, watching how they work, or were you just sort of taking it all in and just like trying not to get in anyone's way? Uh, with the national team or, yeah. or the university? Your national team. team. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Jermaine Anderson was a big one. Um, he was, mm-hmm. he's kind of like a big brother of mine, and, you know, just because from that experience, he's since then when we, I actually traveled to Italy with them, which is funny. It comes full circle. Now I'm playing in Italy, but, uh, but I traveled to Italy with them. And um, that was the trip that I was questioning. Like, do I go on? I'm going to Italy as a 15 year old with a bunch of grown men. And he was great because he took me under his wing the whole time. I remember going out to, to pizza with the guys and and they paid for me, you know, I was 15, I don't have any money, but I, I had a little guy and I was good. And, and just simple things such as, you know, like, Hey, don't worry. Like, like your time will come where you can, you know, pay it forward again. And so something like that, but he, he was always great in his approach, like the ultimate pro from taking care of his body to getting in the weight room, to his form shooting habits, to, and in his story, I don't know it completely, but I'm pretty sure he, you know, battled through a lot of different um, scenarios of uh, playing on teams and not being maybe recognized as much. And uh, people might not know him very well, but he was the starting point guard of our national team for a, a long time. You know, he was the guy. It was it was Nash, and then after that, it was Jermaine Anderson. He kind of carried the reins, and so. He was a guy that definitely um, I looked up to and learned a lot from. And also another one I was roommates with on the trip was uh, Tyler Kepke. And he, uh, I remember he was, I think, reading a book or he was one that I, I remember and he was into a supplementation stuff. And um, so those little things that you see that isn't necessarily a conversation. Yeah. So it, those, those two guys for sure. Jermaine Anderson, I believe, episode 97, my friend. What a guy. I mean, that's why they called him the rock, right? I mean, he was just our, he was literally our foundation of our program for so long. And Kepke, obviously, BC guy, we had him on the show. Just like his mentality and his focus and drive as a, like, he just, he just thought different, right? Like he was a different sort of beast. So that's cool. How do we decide on Gonzaga? I mean, other than Kelly O., um, like you mentioned, you've got, you've got a comfortable list of schools that you, you want to select from. How do we get to that process and who do we lean on to make that choice? Yeah. So, um, initially it started with Gonzaga and I think Kelly was the the connection for it all. Cause he, uh, him and I had the same junior national team coach and I'm pretty sure it was Greg Francis. Again, I wasn't in these conversations or around, but I heard he was the one that passed my name along to the Gonzaga coaches and, or there's some sort of uh, connection there. And then we went to, uh, I remember in, in high school, uh, Michigan was high on my list. I like Coach Beeline a lot. I went on an unofficial visit there. Um, and Gonzaga was the other one. Um, I, a little story I do remember in high school, uh, Tommy Lloyd, the Gonzaga assistant at the time, he, uh, he came and watched me play a high school game. And my buddies in high school would say, like, don't you get nervous when these college coaches come and watch you? And I just remember my answer was like, you know, like I just try to think like there's so many colleges, like what are the chances the, the coach in the stands, that game is the the school I actually am going to choose, you know, um, and ended up, I had a great game. And so, you know, I sat down with Tommy and he, he expressed their interest and all that. And obviously the process went along, but it really came down to Michigan and Gonzaga. And it was a tough decision at the time. Michigan wasn't quite the Michigan that we know today. They were kind of having their you know ups and downs and didn't really make the tournament. And then, 
Uh, Gonzaga was had their decade long of dominance, I guess you could call it. Not quite to the extent of today, but like they were, they were consistently good. And again, going back to the junior national team stuff, I remember Carl English and Jesse Young and uh, maybe even Rock. They they uh, also gave me some little tips and just picking schools. They mentioned this sticks out. They mentioned uh, you want to pick a school that they've had someone like you in the past. And they said the reasoning is so when you go there, they know how to develop you. They they value your style of play. They you know, the, the system works through whatever it is, there's just a familiar familiarity with, with you and with, with that style of play. And so I, when that, that stuck out to me, cause I remember Gonzaga gave me a little documentary of their 10 years of dominance, decade of excellence, it was called. And in it, I saw a bunch of point guards, skilled guys like to shoot the three, just like myself playing fast, playing uh, up tempo. And I just saw myself as wanting to be the next guy in, in yeah. that, that documentary. And so Obviously, my parents helped me with decision making stuff, but they kind of, for the most part, at least they say they left it up to me. I think they kind of knew where <laughs> I was leading, anyways. Yes, I didn't need to say much. <laughs> yeah, and so it, it just felt right, and it, it was March Madness was always a dream of mine, and Gonzaga makes it every single year, and so it just felt right, and so that was the decision to go there, and obviously familiar with Kelly, um, who was already there, so there's just a lot of comfort factors and not completely comfortable. I was going all the way across the country. So, but there were some things that I just, I, I knew and it just felt right. So um, yeah, that's how it came to Gonzaga. What's going through the mind as you're wheels down just about to land on the tarmac and in Spokane obviously you've been to campus you've seen that it's a pretty you know it's a university town and what an experience it ended up being for you right I mean sometimes things work out for people sometimes they don't and we have to shift but I mean in terms of choice and things for you you just seem to just take off from there like you've talked about what was it like wheels land and we're feeling a little bit of everything yeah I uh I don't know. I think for me, I just wanted to get going right from day one. I wanted to prove myself. You know, there's always that, that, that thing that you want to prove yourself as a new guy. And um, again, another little story is the first week we get there and I'm not the biggest guy, but you know, I, I work hard off the court with weight room stuff, everything, but we, the first lift we have, they call it the beach body workout. And uh, it was just that it was, pull-ups, bicep curls, tricep, bench press, do it all again till you can't finish, you know? And so yeah. I had lifted like that up until then. I was all core, balance, a lot of that. And, but I wanted to, sure enough, I went for it. And after the lift, I remember being really sore. And the next day I couldn't even move my arms. I couldn't put, I can't, I couldn't call my family. I couldn't put the phone to my ear. And it was like that for a week. So imagine me trying to shoot a basketball and I was missing everything, airballing shots. And I just remember like my confidence, obviously, because these guys don't know me. And so like, they're like, this guy's supposed to be a shooter and he's airballing, he's bringing like his, and yeah. it nerves and what's, what's going on. But I couldn't move my arms because I was trying to prove myself so much in that first lift. And it just was the worst week. I would remember in study hall, I'd be studying and I have ice packs just wrapped around my arms to try and like <laughs> to get the swelling down. And uh, I was miserable, but then obviously that went away and I had more time. I had four years to prove myself after that, but that was a rough experience. And so then after that, it was just kind of 
take it in stride. I had a lot of um, tough practices, actually. Uh, Coach Few was really on me. I was going against David Stockton, who's a really talented player, tough, tough guy. And and he'd been there. He has experience. And so he was <laughs> picking me apart in practice, really getting to me. Rob Sacre. Yeah. Tough in practice. Yeah, big Rob. So so these guys were just making it tough, and I had some very, very bad practices. And then um, people just remember the my first start where I hit nine threes. But leading up to that, it wasn't very pretty, to be honest. I was I was struggling. I had a lot of bad practices, bad moments. Confidence was low, just going through it. And then that one game um, just kind of springboarded me into a different perspective with everything. And then you just kind of take the momentum and go. Yeah, I mean, four-time West Coast, right? third team all American. When did you feel like coach few maybe took his foot off the gas with you? And it was like, here's the keys. Cause I think, you know, as a freshman, if you have a good coach, they're going to push you, right. They just, he's obviously, he's just trying to get you better and is getting in you and doesn't want you to think anything's going to come easy. But was there a moment or a certain time in a certain year where you were like, all right, like now we're sort of, we're colleagues almost, you know, um, he, yeah. he sees me as his, as his eyes on the floor or was there that moment? <laughs> um yeah in in the moment it, it didn't necessarily feel like it and I say that now but he definitely did when I reflect back you know I I think pretty early on to be honest it, once he I started that next game he continued to start me and I had some very good moments and then some really bad games as well but he kept on going to me I think I think he really valued you know um what I had to bring and and how it was just battling through the ups and downs and I think he really liked that you know and I think each year as it went along he gave me more and more kind of leeway and and the relationship got more and more um seeing eye to eye less of like you're a freshman I'm really going to challenge you and push you to more like all right like let's let's talk this through and, and figure out how we're going to get there together and so but yeah I think it gradually progressed and it also was myself too I think I needed to continue to mature as a as an individual too, as a fresh freshman, like I can only handle so much, you know, everything's going so fast for me. And each year as I matured, it made it easier because the game slows down. I know what to expect. I know the guys, the system, I know the coaches. And so it wasn't just coach few. It was also, so I had to mature and, and continue to grow as well. So by senior year, I think it was very clear, you know, we could talk very simply. I could go in his office and have a conversation and it was, it was no problem. So to this day, you know, I have a great relationship with him, but freshman year, he was definitely hard on me and he challenged me. And I don't know, I don't know what was going through his, his head at the time. You'd have to ask him, but he was, he was tough. He was really tough. Probably because he saw what, you know, I'm guessing in his mind, he had a vision of what your senior year was going to look like, or your, you know, your in the next three years. Right. So he probably felt accountable to make sure that he did what he could to get you there. And, you know, in his little piece, obviously you had to put the work in and do your thing too. But as a coach, I'm sure he probably saw that potential and and that's why he just seems like, and I don't, uh, I've seen him at a couple clinics and things and I, but I, the thing I go back to is how do you have a program in kind of a place like Spokane and be able to pull in the kids that you do every year, you, you know, there must be some, some sort of trust and connection there and he must be a good communicator or else guys would be transferring all the time and not believing you get a guy like Kelly who sits out going into his senior year, right? Like, you know, just to, to kind of change his game a little bit. Like you look at the Gonzaga program and like you said, when you got there, it was good, but you were in that mix of like after when you were there and after it just, it really like was next year. I mean, watch them struggle against Texas last night, but that's okay. It's early. 
Yeah. And just talk about that experience, you know, being in a place like Spokane, the fans, the crowd, like the university town, I, I got to go for my graduation there. It was really fun to actually see the campus. I, and my goal is to make it back for a game, but just sort of that whole college experience. I mean, yes, you're hooping and stuff, but it must've been also super fun at the same time. No. Yeah, for sure. Gonzaga is it, for me, it's the perfect, perfect fit. It's not too big. It's comfortable. It's, it's like a family community, you know, it's, is everyone kind of knows everyone on campus to a certain extent. And I like it that way. You know, it's very personable. People are very real. And, and I just, I really enjoyed my time there, you know, for the, the four years and I made some really good friends and, you know, the, just walking around campus, it's, it's cool because yeah, people recognize you as a basketball player, but they don't treat you any different really, you know, because I think it's such a small community in campus. It's not like that you're looked up to as like a celebrity. You're just, more well-respected, you know, they, they treat you like a normal individual, but they definitely respect all the athletes. And so, but another story with that is I, I remember my first English class early on, we introduced ourselves and if we were athletes or what we were doing or what our major was. And, um, I said my name and that I'm, I'm a basketball player. And right away, they, the teacher asked me, are, are you a manager? Or, or that was like the first question. No, no, no. I'm on the team actually. Oh, are you, are you walk on? I said, yeah. no, no, I'm actually, actually on the team. And, uh, and then oh, what happened oh. was that, that nine, three game. So after my first start in the nine, three pointers, it was safe to say that never happened again. <laughs> you know, that never happened to me where, I was, I was then, it was like, I wouldn't say life-changing, but at least in the, in the Gonzaga bubble was, was life-changing because now like everyone, everyone saw that game. And so no one on campus ever, you know, questioned if I was on the team or not again. And <laughs> not that I care about that stuff. It was no, no, it was just funny how it played out. You know, it was, um, yeah, it was really interesting. And so, uh, but no, Gonzaga is <laughs> an unbelievable spot. So that I just remember that very vividly. Because I, I don't even like introducing myself as that. But I remember in the class, it was like there was something about it. And all the athletes, I play soccer, I play this, and I play basketball. And that, that happened. So And very professional, well done by you, but not putting the teacher's name on blast either. You know, you <laughs> yeah. keep, that between, keep that between Gonzaga <laughs> and you. <laughs> That's gold, man. But you know what? I mean, as funny as that story is, did you feel that often? Like, okay, who's this little you know, stocky kind of white guy. And like, we don't have to guard this dude. Like, did you start to feel that a little bit in your career or yeah, it must. And then obviously you're giving him the business, but like, was, yeah. was there a little bit of that or like, Oh, look, there's a little mini Steve Nash or whatever. And trying to find your own identity within that. Yeah. I think it's a bit of both. I think yeah, obviously straight from the upbringing too. I think there's like, ah, who is this guy too? And what you have to get past that barrier. And then eventually once you, you start playing, you know, sometimes people take notice on that, you know, and I think in college, definitely, you know, it happened. And then you have some good games and people start recognizing and then you do it more consistently. And all of a sudden, like now you're not just recognizing your, your bubble, you're recognized, you know, nationally. And then you're going to these, um, like I went to some point guard camps in the summers, Chris Paul won the, the Nike, I think Kyrie camp and playing against all these other top point guards in the, in the country in college at that time. And, it's no longer like, hi, like, what's your name? It's like, you're, you're in that, that world, you know, people know who you are and you're recognized and as well as all the others, you know, it's all guys that you would recognize their names. And so it just gets to that point, I think, but again, it's like we talked early on, it was, 
it was never just right away. You know, it was one of those things where you have to go through the ups and downs and, you know, take two steps back and then three steps forward and then just keep on going that way. And eventually it kind of happens. And so, yeah, that was kind of the the journey in college. I don't remember exactly, you know, how it played out again. You're so in the world at the, in the moment at the time that you don't even take time to think about, you know, what's going on. You're just in the oh, last game, all oh, last practice, I had a bad turnover. And, and then you go in and you're working on your game that night. And you just, you're just hoping that things work themselves out, but you never know how it's going to play out. And eventually you look back and, um, and things work pretty well. So trust the work in the moment, I guess, but uh, you yeah. talked about, you had it kind of keynoted that March madness was a goal for you. Talk about that first day you go out for warmups and you're, and it's March madness time. How are we feeling? Is it just another day or is there a moment where it's like, okay, this is different? Way different, way different. I'd be lying lying if I said it was the the same, I think. Not a boy. There'd be lots Um, of people that would lie, man. I appreciate the honesty, man. No No fronting on a hoops journey. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd definitely be lying if I said it was another day. And, And to be completely honest, again, I don't remember exactly, but I don't think I ate very much before the game. I, I used to, I don't quite get the same anymore, but I used to get very anxious before games to the point where, you know, I couldn't eat very much to like really in my head. And so that was one of them. And I think the, again, the magnitude of it, like I, I grew up watching March Madness. We fill out our brackets, the family, like it was one of those things. And then you actually get there and you just feel the lights and the cameras and everything is so much bigger. You know, you're no longer just playing in the WCC gym. You're in uh, like, and for me in Canada, like none of my friends from high school or anything watched my, you know, college games until March Madness. So I know like, this is the one that everyone's going to watch, you know, <laughs> whether it's good or bad, everyone's going to see it. And so, <laughs> and so I remember that and I was fortunate enough. I had actually a great game. And one thing that just sticks out, my dad would always just say, trust your work, trust your work. He'd always say that. And so um, I did, I remember I came out and shot a three early on and it went down. It was like, all right, here we go. You know, and I had a really, really good first game. Um, but then the freshman, what was happening in my second game, I really struggled, couldn't hit anything, uh, you know? So, yeah, I think, uh, I definitely felt it. I definitely was nervous before the game, but then you get out there and you just try to zone in and, and do your best. And we actually had a great first game against West Virginia, my first March madness. And again, great memory. It was really, really cool experience. The whole March madness is to me, one of the best sporting events in the world. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. Especially those first two days are so cool. And so it was, it was definitely a special moment. One year we went down, we watched day one in Portland on the Thursday, got up at like five in the morning, drove to Seattle for day one and Gonzaga was there. And then we drove back to Portland, watched day two on, on uh, Saturday in Portland and then watched day two in Sunday in Seattle and then went home. It was <laughs> crazy. That's yeah. a great day. It was fun, man. It was so fun. We had a time. Yeah. Yeah. We were exhausted, but it was good. I mean, so many memories, so many moments, so many great times. When are you starting to, are you trying to finish what you're trying to finish at Gonzaga before you're thinking about taking the next step as a pro or are people starting to get in your ear in that senior year? Kind of like, Hey, you know, there's some opportunity here. What does that, what does that look like for someone? Cause you know, we've had a variety of different levels on this, on this show I would say you're in the upper echelon of that, my friend. Um, you probably won't say it just in terms of that. And when did that sort of, when does, when do those conversations happen? Do they happen with dad? Do they happen with coach few? Um, and what does that look like? Yeah. So for me, I was never a guy that, you know, had agents calling me early on saying like, we want you to be one of my clients. I never had, you know, the, the mock drafts saying, Oh, you're going to go first round. So 
for me, it was never really a discussion of, you know, leaving early or anything like that. One of the biggest things I wanted was uh, my first three years at Gonzaga, I never made it past the first weekend of March Madness. And I always wanted to make a final four. That was to me, the things that stick out are like when the starting five is doing the introduction and they're all in like this cool light room and like the, the, just the elements are just amazing for the final four. And so I always wanted to experience that. I thought that'd be so cool. And so my last year, I really wanted to to get to that point where I was playing in that at least second weekend, you know, we didn't bank it to the sweet 16 ever my first three years. And so I had that as a goal and I was really trying to get every aspect I could of, of leadership to, to try and get the whole team's mindset from day one that year to make, you know, the final four, you know, I feel like if you make the final four, then anything can happen. It's two games. You can win a natty that no one knows. And so um, that was my main focal point. how did you do that? How did you get the team to focus that way? Was it verbal? Yeah, so- was it, yeah. Was it, you start yapping them at harder in practice. Was it, you know, what, yeah, yeah. from a leadership perspective, tell me more. So, uh, so for me, um, so knock my door, let's let it go. Um, yeah, so, it, man. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Okay. So, so for me, uh, I, uh, I'm was never the most vocal guy for me. I was always kind of laid back, chill, quiet. And then I've known you like for like 41 minutes and I've, don't think you needed to point that out, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Very laid back. It just I yeah, I was always like that as a kid. And so I uh so for me, the vocal part of leadership was never one of my strengths. It's something I always had to develop, you know, from a young age. And so I was always lead by example, those types of things. And so I tried to again step outside my comfort zone. And I went back to my my roots, the only way I knew how. And I remember in, in as a kid in high school, we uh I need to get this one second. I was gonna keep no talking. I'll tell the worries. Sorry about that. That's right. they're, uh, giving, they're giving them the bag there, folks. That was a leather bag full of cash. You're full of euros. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that'd be great. I want to come later. No, so I'll try to put this together. So I only knew my roots, you know, I, I didn't know how else to do other than my upbringing. And so I, I know as a kid, my mom was always big into to outdoor end trips. She, uh, she would go like backpacking, canoeing in Algonquin park and this kind of stuff. And, uh, she did it with our high school. And as a kid, I was always, uh, I was actually able to go on a couple of them. She would bring me along with the high school kids. And there was like a bike trip one year, like one or two canoe trips and stuff. And they were fun, but they were also really difficult. You know, mm-hmm. but I, I just remember during those, the group of people on those trips always came out of it super close together. You're going through, whether it's terrible weather conditions to you're doing uh, team building activities in front of the campfire, whatever it is, you're just doing things where you're really getting to know the other person through like good days, bad days, no phone service, not, none of that. And so I really tried to implement that. And I actually sat down with coach few and um, our strength coach, Travis Knight. I said, what about doing like a team retreat? You know, as in the told my experiences growing up and I said, like, what about, you know, going to a cabin um, again, there's NCAA violations. So I had to really try and figure out how to do it uh, legally, I guess you could call it. So there's no benefits, but go somewhere, have the team just stay for a night, do some team building games. Like, uh, and I say games, that sounds kind of childish, but, activities you know just things where you're challenging and having to communicate and all that kind I of stuff you, so we did it we sure yeah. did it. yeah and uh and the guys actually loved it you know sometimes that stuff can be kind of cheesy if you if you don't get it the right way but um we had a good group of guys that just like to hang out with each other and they loved it you know we were staying in 
cabins and tents and we just hung out you know played a lot of these different activities and came out of it and again we talked about these things such as what are our goals what are we trying to do this year what are from day one and we implemented that and just fast forward to the tournament we made it to the elite eight we lost to the eventual champion champion in duke who had a great team that year and won the won the national championship so again yeah exactly uh, but uh but for me it's like that doesn't always play out like yeah we're gonna definitely make a final four because we did these activities but i think it positioned us to to give it a run and i think we did you know a couple of shots fall in our way against duke who knows what happens and so that was something that happened and again it's not just the team building but i think that set the foundation to what we were able to do that season i agree man and you said like those things are like childish or whatever and stuff but i think they go well when you have a group that are willing to be a little bit vulnerable and like get a, a uncomfortable right like okay I'm, I'm okay to sit in a in a room with some other young men and talk about some goals and some uncomfortable stuff it's the groups that maybe aren't as good that don't want to and won't open up because then that translates to the court you know i don't have to tell you but I think yeah. those are, that's good stuff. Has Gonzaga and done that? Has the Gonzaga done that again? Well, I was actually going to say, I think they still do it to this day. So I think it's a tradition that still continues. I think they saw the benefit of it. And I think the guys actually embrace it completely. Yeah. You know, they probably tweak things and done it a little differently now, but I, I heard somewhere coach, you mentioned that they, they still do it. And I don't think he even remembers that I was one that brought it to his attention, but I don't need yeah. the credit, you know, it's just more no. the concept. And I remember also talking to, Travis Knight, the strength coach and this and that. And another part of it was I wanted to leave my footprint, you know, like how, how can I leave, you know, there's so many greats from Gonzaga. So many guys have done amazing things. People try and compare eras. Like you're never going to pick the who's better this, that, but I just wanted to leave my mark the best I could. And I thought that was the way I knew how. And so I tried to try to do it. And I'm, I'm happy I did it. Cause again, doing that type of stuff wasn't comfortable at the time, you know, I'm better now, but mixing feathers and saying, you know, like, hey, like, let's do something different to a program that's been successful for 15 years consecutive. That's not mm. the easiest thing, you know? So really trying to step outside my comfort zone and uh, do something different because I, I wanted it that bad was to, to get to the next level. So I didn't want any regrets. What are you looking for during this pandemic time? Sometimes after a long week of work, we just want to sit down and have a nice cold beer. Well, one of our sponsors, Parkside Brewery, can offer you that. Located at 2731 Murray Street in Port Moody, Parkside not only has an amazing indoor atmosphere during the winter season, it also has a great patio in the summer. Get down there, enjoy yourself a cold beer, or you can find them at any local government liquor store. Last thing, don't expect to go to Parkside and get any tips on how to become a better basketball player, because Sam Payne and Travis McLean, our good buddies, can't help you with that, but they sure can serve you a good beer. See you Parkside. Good stuff. Okay, so then the next phase, man. We're talking Spain, Lithuania, Russia, the Cleveland Cavaliers, all the way to like to Milano. Like pretty dope, man. I mean, you have a true hoops journey, right? And uh, and you're living it right now. And I know that I know that some people think like, oh, it's it's glamorous, but you know, it it probably feels exhausting some days. You're pulled from your family. Yes, you're getting played to to pull hoops to play hoops, but in terms of like training on the road and things like that. But, you know, this many years into it, how are you feeling? And and what are your thoughts so far about, you know, all the hoops that you've seen and, 
you got to have one wild fan story for us somewhere along the line. There must've been some flares or coins being thrown or a crowd or a rival game. Like there's gotta be something you can throw us here before yeah. we tuck you into bed, man. Come on. Yeah. I, I gotta think of a story. I really do. The the fans out here are next level though. There, you're, there's some really good atmospheres, but. So when you say uh, next level, give, you know, being a Canadian North American podcast, like give, when you say next level, what what's a difference now? You've 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 suited up for the Cavs. So what are you yeah. noticing that's different? I think I guess there's no rules. I think <laughs> anything goes. Everything. That's it. Everything. <laughs> every, anything goes. And um, you know, there's definitely stories and where fans will will light coins um, with a lighter and then throw it on the court, trying to like you know burn someone with that, or or they're throwing like debris on the court and they. They've actually had to clear the gym. None of these have been games I've been in, fortunately, and in a way, unfortunately, because it would be a better story if I was. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think uh, you know the atmospheres out here, um, especially the rivalry games in like Greece and in Serbia. It's it's the the constant noise. Like they're not cheering just um, as like a luxurious fan for the team. Oh, we scored. Let's clap. It's more like no, like I want to like. <laughs> like beat you up like i want to yeah, well, yeah. I rip your that throat away. type of like mentality yeah. you're in these <laughs> facilities and these fans are like yelling in whatever language what other whatever other like word you could think of and um it's just like it, for instance there's a, a song that plays before the game for the EuroLeague anthem and it's just like a quick like 15 20 second song and in serbia they have like they take pride in trying to drown out the the noise of the music, like the little anthem that they play before the game. It's like a minute before tip off. And they actually, when the song comes on, it's the loudest you'll ever see at the gym because they just start yelling and whistling and screaming anything they can. So you can't hear the song. It's, it's, and you're there and the, the floor feels like it's shaking. And so if you look up uh, like Serbian basketball fans on YouTube or it'll pull up and it, the video doesn't quite do it justice, but you'll still be like, this is insane. Cause there's smoke everywhere. There's flares in the arena and, um and so yeah like my wife came to it she's my girlfriend at the time came to a game in uh in greece and the the family section had to um have security guards you know and they're in the yeah. most, like like lots of security guards just because if things go sideways like again anything goes <laughs> out there and so that that's the, to the extent but I don't know if I have it an exact story, but those are the types of things where they actually have like shields over top of the benches in some stadiums, just because of the things that they throw at the court. So, and some of the things that honestly, social media these days is, is the fans that like, I've had a fan send me a picture and he's holding a knife, you know, like things like that are the things that you're just like, it's not in the arena, but like, come on, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not necessary. Like, yeah. I don't think you see that in, the NBA in the United States. Like it just doesn't happen because there's repercussions for that also. You know, like that just sure. doesn't. He said, what's the biggest difference? He said, there's no rules. <laughs> 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 and what's it like, man, you know, playing overseas and, and I, I don't want to just like, we've talked to a lot of guys on this show who have, you know, they've had the NBA as the bar and then had a taste, but also been like, you know what? I'm quite enjoying playing over in Europe as well. And I'm not trying to guess or whatever your situation is, but how do you mentally go from reaching that level and then going back? I mean, you know, is there still a fire and desire to make that? Are you kind of just taking a day at a time? You're obviously a goal-driven guy. You understand the process of, of how pro basketball works. 
how do you go in day in and day out and just sort of keep moving forward? Also knowing like you got a young family, you're trying to collect money and make a life for your kids and support your wife too. Right. So there's, there's a few elements I think that you're probably dealing with just guessing, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, you're, you're pretty spot on actually, but I, I do know like growing up for me, the MBA was the, the biggest sure. goal, you know, put money, put anything aside. It was, it was the MBA. And I think the biggest thing for me was it's, it's not something that you can buy. Like the MBA is not something that you can pay money and get into, but it's like, it's, it's a club, you know? And so you got to earn it. And so throughout my whole career, that's always been something that I wanted to do. Um, when I was in Europe for, right away with Grand Canary, my first year, that's all I could think about, you know, and I played summer league for three summers uh, in between my pro contracts overseas every year. It was how, how do I get to the NBA? How do I get to the NBA? How do I, that, that was always in my mind. Um, I think it was good because it pushed me every single day to do the most I could, can, but it was also probably bad because I think I was very hard on myself for like making mistakes and putting the pressure on myself that really isn't necessary at the end of the day, but there's just always the unknown. Am I going to play my entire career and not experience what it's like or try to not just experience, but prove that I'm an NBA player. So when the opportunity came after my sixth year overseas, so I was uh, Spain for one year, Lithuania, where I'm at right now for two, Spain again in Barcelona for two years, and then Russia for one year. The summer going into that, I, I, how it works is overseas, they negotiate the contracts typically anywhere from like March, April, May, June for the following year or two and they lock you in where in the NBA this, the summer, you know, July, August is when a lot of the, at least the later contracts happen, you know, the big um, high paying star star guys might get it early in free agency, but all the, the guys that fill the, fill the rosters later on. So, so for international guys, for people that don't know, you actually have to turn down if you're solidified overseas and, and have a reputation, you have to turn down some great contracts just for the opportunity, like the chance to get something in the NBA, which is very difficult. You know, that, like you said, the older you get, you have a family, anybody, if you're trying to just make a living, jumpstart your career. And so going after year six, I said, you know, I told myself, no matter what, good, bad, in between, going for it. I'm not signing anything early. I want to give myself a chance to, to prove I can play in the NBA. And so there was maybe a handful of teams interested because, um, again, the NBA – people don't realize and going through, I realize even more it's so there's so many guys trying to get in, you know, there's only 450 spots a year, let's say 400 plus of those are usually taken already. And so there's, there's so many guys trying to get in. And so slowly some of the teams signed guys in my position, my spot, because it's not like I can play center. Like I'm playing one, one position. So there's only so many spots and um, eventually it came down to it where, the Cavs, who weren't really interested early on, expressed some interest and eventually, uh, fast forwarding a bit, but eventually after time and time where I thought, you know, this might be it, I might not get a full deal, eventually offered me a, a one plus one. And then I was able to go and it was it was amazing. You know, for me, I, I'm not super emotional, but I was crying with my wife and it was just yeah. an awesome experience, you know, really, really cool. And then it was time to get to business and and go to work and try to try to prove myself. And you know, my experience with the Cavs was a great one. And there's also things that um, I wish went differently. Of course, you know, it's no surprise. I wish I had played, you know, more, had more opportunities. And stuff. I wish I had played better in my opportunities as well. I don't think I fully showcased what I could do. But again, with the small sample size, you know, um, you just need to be ready. And I, I don't regret anything because I, I know every day I went in and put the work in to be ready. Um, it just, 
didn't play out, you know, which sometimes happens. And so I took the best opportunity I thought um, to actually sign in Russia. <laughs> then everything that's going on went down. And um, so it didn't go. And then now back in Milan and, you know, very happy. Because like you said, for me, it's as great as the NBA was and it's not going anywhere. So who knows in the future, but it's difficult not playing, you know, it, my career is only so long. And so not playing, not knowing when you're going to play, if you're going to play, you know, just, we don't even really practice because the season's so demanding. And um, so being able to play again and have a significant role is a lot of fun. You know, you're going through the ups and downs of a season. You're, you're competing, you're on the court in the final two minutes. You're, you're doing a lot of these things that as an athlete, you just love to compete and do and go out there and play. And so that, that part's very fun again, but again, the NBA is the NBA, you know, it's, it's some of the best players in the world, best athletes in the world. And it's the highest level. So there's, there's great to both of them. That's kind of what I'm trying to get to. There's, there's the great in the NBA. It's unbelievable. You know, some people downplay it. They don't play hard to me. I got the utmost respect for all the guys there because they really do play hard. Some of the guys are just so talented that, they make it look easy, to be honest. Um, it's, it's That's just how it is. But then I also had more respect coming back to Europe because I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. I, I don't think the EuroLeague really does get the credit, I think. And not to anyone's fault, but the people back home might be a little bit naive just because it's not in front of them. They don't get to see it. But it's a very high level. Guys get to compete out here. They get to make a great living for themselves and their family. And it's a very high level. So after all of that, obviously that was, you know, a lot of words, but both I have great respect for, and it's both a high level. So um, I enjoyed all the experiences up to this point. Yeah. Like I think too, I mean, just look at like Luca, right? I mean, like guy comes over and it's like, that's what people are facing every day. When we had Connor on the show, I mean, that guy, people realize in Spain, like the level that he's playing, you know, like it's crazy. It's like legit crazy, the level. So awesome reflection, man. I mean, and kudos and congrats to you for that moment. And I think that's one of the coolest stories I've heard to just sort of, like your dad said, trust your work to, to lay the chips out and be like, I'm going to go for this. I'm not going to sign that contract. I'm going to believe in what I, you know, the work that I've done that I, someone's going to see me out there. And even though it took maybe longer than you wanted, and there were some nervous moments and did I make the right choice, but continuing to work, I think a lot of people can take all, a lot of things away from that one little story. And not a lot of people would take that risk, man. I think of people in life, they're, they're, we're just, we'd like to do the easy thing or maybe know the easy path. And I think it says a lot about you and that that equals why we've seen so much success from you, I'd say. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. No, I, and honestly, like, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I am proud of my story. Please you know, do. I, I think yeah, you no, made the I, NBA, you made yeah. the NBA. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate like, it. Come on, no, man. But that's, but that's the thing is to me, it's like, I think going through it all, and I said this early on too, the highs and lows were the best part of it, you know, and I think my story is unique. I think going six years overseas, and when I tell you every day I was thinking about it, that's all I ever thought about, you know, wake up, I would check the box scores of NBA games and be like, you know, who's playing what, how do guys play, what rosters, and like I'd have everything mapped out, and so no, but finally making it, I I don't think I'd rather it any other way. It It was um, very fulfilling and rewarding when it finally happened and played itself out. And so, and for people that, that don't know too, the risk was too, like once you get to a certain point overseas, you're pocketing more money than you would make on a lower NBA salary, you know, mm. because, because overseas, not always, but certain sure. situations, certain situations, they pay for a lot of expenses. You know, they, they take care of a car and, and travel and they take care of insurance to take care of taxes. They pay your agent. There's a lot of things that go into play. So, 
what a lot of guys get to overseas is the first, the unknown of if there's going to be a potential for an NBA contract. Mm-hmm. And then, then two is like it, the salaries, you know, you know what you're locking in that you're able to pocket overseas. And it's a great way to just get your life started, you know, as a young adult is just being able to put away money and save it. And so those are all the things that go into play, which is why I think overseas has such talented players too. You know, the NBA is, again, I don't ever want to downplay the NBA. It's unbelievable. But, but I think there's a lot of guys overseas that are very talented players, but for their situation, they just choose that it's the best to, to whether it's playing, whether it's financially, whether whatever reason it is. Um, for some Europeans, it's just staying close to home. It's familiar, you know, so um, there's a lot of guys in different situations over here. Yeah. And that's doing this show, man, is, is like being someone who's maybe a little naive to the Euros, Euro League, knowing the strength and, and how strong it was. But when you hear the stories and ch- chat with so many people, it's like, what a cool opportunity, man. And then the level of basketball is phenomenal. And like you said, just kind of just getting the minutes and being a part of it. It's huge. Anyways, yeah. it's getting late for you, man. Do you guys play tomorrow? Yeah, we play tomorrow night. Okay. Yeah. Let's, cho- let's chop up some fun questions and we'll uh, tuck let's you in, Mr. It. Pangos. Sound good? That sounds great. Okay. Let's get right to it, Canadian boy. How do we feel about ketchup on macaroni? That's a big yes for me. Ooh! <laughs> yeah, that's a big yes. <laughs> Everybody, thank you for listening to episode of 100 of A Hoops Journey. And uh, <laughs> wow, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm a big ketchup guy, to be honest. Uh, I know it's not great for you, but I feel like I eat healthy. But ketchup, I, for me, French fries, grilled cheese, macaroni. I don't eat macaroni anymore, to be honest. But when I did, sure. it was yeah. a definite. It was a definite. No question. Yeah. Wow. I was not expecting that. What about you? Are, is it a no for you or is it a yes? Really? Hard no. That's Hard funny. no. I mean, I've got the body of a, you know, a Greek god. So I really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just never into it as a kid, man. Never really. But that's okay. To each their own. It's your story, sir. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Thanks. Books or movies? I would like to say books because every time I read a book, I say, that was awesome. Oh, I, read I love this book, but I just don't, I don't read enough. <laughs> Every time I do, I start preaching to my wife, oh, this book said this, but I just don't read enough. I, the, the habit. So I'd say movies and even above TV shows, because I can't do a whole season of a TV show. It's like movies, I sit down and I can lock in. So even, even, on, the, even on the road, you can't just like power through a couple episodes on Netflix that you know you're like a show your wife wouldn't be into, so you don't get in trouble that you're ahead of the show really to be honest yeah yeah, the the thing is every time i start a show i always feel like guilty like i'm wasting my time so i end up i end up listening to like a a real estate investing podcast or watching youtube videos on something that some exercise like i just i can't sit down because every time i get to an end of a show if i lose interest i'm like i just wasted who knows how many hours because there's a lot of shows that don't end very well and it just pisses me off like I watched the whole time it was good to go and then you end it terrible. Like I just wasted all that time. Where a movie, if it's a bad ending, you only wasted what two hours mm-hmm. tops. So I can do that. Like it's like uh, at least I was entertained for an hour forty-five and the last fifteen minutes sucked. So that's why I think movies for me. 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the brain of Kevin Pangos right there. Wow. That is a breakdown and a half. I feel you though. Well, well, well explained. Thank you. Well explained. Thank you. Okay. So then what, like, is there a recent movie or are there a couple movies that stand out? Like you're on the road, you're bored. You're like, I'm going to watch for the hundredth time or what are we, where are we going with this? Yeah. You know, what's good in my situation is I'm, I kind of have a short memory of things I just kind of put it behind. So I'll watch a movie and later I'll be like, oh, I forget what happened. So it's like watching it for the first time. And even something like, I like Inception's a good one. You mm. know, like ones that kind of make you think. I do like comedy ones too. Like what did I watch the other day? I think Step Brothers. Just one that's like lighthearted. You know? I like Denzel Washington movies. So I don't think yeah. there's one that sticks out, but like I like those type of mixtures. Either like a nice action or one that makes you think or like just... I just toss on a Will Ferrell movie and just Adam Sandler and just don't don't take it too serious. That's what I like. Perfect. I like it. I like it. Who have been some of the most important people in your life? I would definitely say my parents, you know, growing up, gave me all the opportunities I could ask and always supported me and stuff. And then uh, now I was definitely my wife, you know, I met her in college. We met my sophomore year. Uh, she from Spokane? Before. She's from, no, Boise, Idaho, but she went oh, to Spokane. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and so and now she's been over here with me since the last four or five years now. And we were dating for the other time. She went to school in New York. So she's unbelievable. She helps me with everything, whether it's my career, our kids. She does it all. And she honestly rarely complains about anything. And she's put through a lot. So um, she's someone I talked to about everything. And she allows me to stay at the gym extra long and do all my recovery and get a massage on the off days and no complaints ever so she's big time she's definitely uh, been a big influence on me your point guard folks that's called seeing the game you gotta <laughs> shout out the wife you gotta <laughs> shout out the wife this man sees the game um okay you got the best seat in the house i'm guessing you probably take your wife but you can take whoever you want dead or alive artist doesn't matter who are we going to see for a music like is there you know are there two or three groups is there an individual what do you what do you want to see you know what, Drake, I've never been to a Drake concert. I would love okay. to go to a Drake concert. I think uh, that'd be a really good one. I'm trying to think what else. You know, I have already gone to a Coldplay one. I didn't think I was a big like, Coldplay fan. I liked their music. It was one of the best concerts I'd ever been to. I heard they put on a show. It was it was great. So yeah. um, I'd already been to that one, but I had to give them a shout out because that was really impressive. Um, but I'd probably say Drake at a Drake yeah. concert. You know, growing up, I, when I'm shooting, I'm, I listen to a lot of his music. It's it's more like low key, chill, as you can see. I like that kind of stuff. So that's it. It's not real rap. You know that, right? No, I'm fine with that too. <laughs> I just, I like the energy of it. Because <laughs> I'm wearing my Wu Tang shirt here, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Dope. You're back home. So we're not in Europe. You're, you're, you're north of the border. You finish a workout. You know, when you do get an opportunity to get back home, you go to get a bag of chips. What bag of chips are you getting? Okay, so if I'm north, uh, if I'm north of the border, it may be ketchup or all dressed, especially because I'm not there as much anymore. So like, it's a go-to when I'm home. All dressed sure. ruffles, all dressed ruffles, or just the ketchup that's lays. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I'll have you had the ketchup talk, Doritos yet? No, there's ketchup Doritos. Oh that yeah, sound great though. I don't know why. Come on, be open-minded here. I, no, I would. I, I definitely try it. I'm not a picky eater at all. So, oh, I would, okay. but I have to add in my my go-to is the kettle cooked uh, jalapeno chips are are a go-to. Those are a go-to. If I'm not north of the border, even if I am, those are probably the, the consistently the front runner. But I'd catch a vanilla dress for sure.
I like it. I like those selections all dressed as one of the goats. I'm a ketchup guy too. For chips, not on my macaroni. <laughs> Who do you have as like a all-time teammate team or some of the best teammates? I know you never want to leave anyone out. I know. Or, you're putting me on the spot, huh? Yeah. I mean, I did send this to you a few days you ago. You did. But, and I've been but thinking it's still about hard. it. Okay. I still, I still can't, but I will, I will shout out Kels Linux for me. I don't want to pinpoint one person because I know I've heard teammates like, Oh, look at this guy. and like playing with me. Listen, but honestly, listen, 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 with- listen. listen. <laughs> you think anybody that's listening to this episode, you'd be like, Oh, freaking Pangos and his ego. You didn't let yeah, me out. Like, you know, like, come on, man. You know, they're all just a text away. And if they feel if they're in their Drake feelings, you can just be like, yo, you know, I love you too, man. You yeah. know? They yeah, I'm taking bribes for the next shout out too. That's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but honestly, uh, Kells, uh, playing with him, I've known him for a long time. You know, good friend of mine and everything. But playing with him is always fun. He, he's a, a guard playing as a big man. You know, so they, I have a great great chemistry with him on the court. You get him a three point shot, he'll shoot it. You get him pass down low, he'll finish it or make the right play. For me, Kells is always a guy I love playing with. He plays super fast and free. So, like, the game's just, like, flowing when he's on the court, which yeah, uh, is always fun. So, And he's killing it this year. I was going to say, isn't it great to see? Like, just, you know, just like a, it's like seeing him play is like a breath of fresh air for him. Like, you almost feel watching the game through him that he's just in a happy, good spot, you know? It's nice to see. Really nice to see. Yeah, no, I'm happy for him. Because the last year in Detroit and stuff, like, they had a young team and yeah. wasn't really minutes and stuff. So, He's just been let free and he's doing his thing. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, last question for you. Who would you like to see on a hoops journey? But I know you're a big cell phone guy and social media guy. <laughs> a big you social got, media guy. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell. <laughs> you uh, you got to help us get this person on. You're someone who's got a good story out there that you think would be an, a good person to chop it up with for a little bit. Yeah, you know, we talked about it a bit on here. I've been thinking about who's the right, but Jermaine Anderson's one I I think would be great. He's I already think been on. He has. Yeah, man. He's like oh. has episode ninety seven. He's like a couple behind you. Oh, nice. So well, there you go. Okay, so that's not the guy then, because his yep. story, I'm sure. I, I don't know details, but I'm sure it's an unbelievable story. Just the way he there you go. Carried you it, won't so. waste the time listening to an hour and a half of Hoops Journey. Okay, sir. Just check that episode out. <laughs> that and he, a what, what a humble, great human being. Um, awesome. Like you said, just the core of our foundation of our program for so long. And then like what he's doing with that 50 for free program, educating kids and yeah, teaching them hoops, awesome. but also financial literacy. Like what a just comes across as a genuine dope human being, man. So yeah. good shout. You can tell you're a big fan of the podcast. You Come on. Name someone who's not been on this show. <laughs> who, who, who has it been on? Has Carl English been on the show? We got Carl English has been on. Nice. You got some guys on here big time. Yeah, That's awesome. That's awesome. Those guys, those guys are the OGs. Like Carl and, and Rock. Those guys are awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Dude. We've had Robbie. We've had, oh man, Javon Shepard. We've had Mike Meeks. Yep. Nice. Yep. We've had Kadugan, Junior Kadugan. Like, come on, man. Hit us with someone. Someone obscure. Who's out there? Who's Who a good is story? out there? No, I got to think. Who else is out there? Does it have to be a Canadian guy? No. I got to think. Okay. Maybe I'll Kells out there, though. Maybe Kells. We'll see. Come on, man. Kamloops hey, guy. He, he is a Kamloops guy. I'll see what he's up to. He's a busy man, though. I can't even track him down, but I'll, I'll see he, what I can do. I think would be, you know what I think would be dope? Father, son. Ken and Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because Ken's had a great coaching and Tom's coached half the dudes on this on this show. Like they're like, oh yeah, I had coach Alinek. And I'm like, wow, I you just I forget how many guys he's coached, right? But yeah, 
reach out, man. Do that okay. for us. I'll see what I can do. Any any last uh, any last reflections or anything before we let you go, man? Honestly, no. Honestly, this is yeah, go this is a lot of fun. No, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. I I I like this kind of stuff too. I like hearing people's journeys and paths and stuff. I think, especially after going through myself, I think is. It's cool to hear everyone's situations and and what they go through, especially like we talked about the the ups and downs of it. I think that's all part of it, you know. So, um, giving guys a platform to explain those types of things and what makes theirs unique, and because I think everyone should be proud of their journey at the end of the day. I think um, that's what crafts people into who they are, and you know, leaves their footprint on everything. So, I think it's really cool what you're doing, and thanks for having me on. Had a no lot worries. of fun. Good man. Yeah, it was a nice chat and. Um... I agree. Like storytelling, we can learn so much from each other when we share and, and learn. And uh, if I, to be totally humbly honest, if you would have told me that you'd be episode 100, I would have signed the dotted line and taken it in a second. Um, you're an amazing human being and one of the best Canadian ballers we've ever had. And from our perspective, we wish you nothing but health, happiness, success with you and your family. And if you need anything from us, let us know. One of the dopest things I thought was when you did sign with the Cavs, just from my perspective, how many people that I didn't know and did know just on social media, I think they were actually genuinely proud for you, man, and happy for you to take that leap. Yes, you're still in a great spot, but just sort of, to me, that said a lot about people that have connected with you, know who you are and what you're like, and you're a real one and you're a genuinely good human being. And we wish you nothing but success, man. No, thank you. That means a lot. Really appreciate it. Finally, knowing Connor Morgan pays off for something. Hey, like my God. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you can ignore him from now on. You, know, you got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Have a great sleep. Good luck in your game tomorrow. Continued success. Good luck in the season. I know you're looking forward to getting off the road and giving your kids and wife a hug. And when that happens, uh, take advantage, man, because they'll be big and old and not want anything to do with you pretty soon. So I bet. I bet. I bet. All the best. Thank you. Shout out to our sponsors, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for supporting A Hoop's Journey. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on social media at A Hoop's Journey and on our website, ahoopsjourney.com. Thank you to our guest, Kevin Pangos. Thank you to our sponsors, ATO Basketball Merchants, Parkside Brewery, and Good Lad Clothing. And we'll see you on the next episode.